Well, Happy New Year. It is 2017. You've you made it through 2016. Congratulations. Uh, this is your weekly Tech Law 10. We're going strong in the new year. I am Eric Sinrot as Dwayne Morris, as always, joined by my favorite colleague, Jonathan Armstrong in the UK. And we're here to discuss predictions for what might be coming up this year. And we're going to go back and forth. We're going to have several each. There might be some overlap. There might be some difference. We don't know. We haven't planned this in advance. Jonathan, why don't you kick it off? Well, thanks very much, and uh, Happy New Year to you all, and welcome to what could be a car crash, because, as you know, at this time of year, uh, Eric and I are very disciplined, and we don't tell each other uh, what's going to be in our predictions. So, as Eric says, they could overlap. We could disagree. We could agree. And it is, I think, uh, to paraphrase the great Bob Geldof and Midju and knowing how you like your music, Eric, a, a world of plenty, I think, in terms of what we could predict as the impact of technology law in 2017. I think we could easily get tech law 1,000 out of it, but let's be disciplined. I'm going to kick off with what I think we're both going to agree on, the year of cybersecurity again. Now, obviously, every year, I've been doing this gig for about 25 years now, and I think every year I've said uh, cybersecurity is going to be more relevant next year than it was the year before, and I think every year I've been right. I think it's a, you know, it's a one-way bet, really, uh, a little bit like Tiger Woods used to be in the golf, maybe isn't any any longer. But I don't see cybersecurity giving up being the number one bet, and I think it's going to be hugely impactful still to us in our personal lives, in our corporate lives, and in our political lives. I think we're going to see. Uh, cybersecurity influence elections, and we've talked about that in previous podcasts in 2016. So my, uh, sim and, and the only other thing I'd add is, of course, cybersecurity is going to be on the agenda of governments more. What generally happens is when governments feel that they're insecure or when they've lost data, they regulate the private sector more heavily. We've got some, I think, fairly crazy legislative ideas to sort of log cyber vulnerabilities and it's definitely going to get on the agenda of more regulators. Maybe even President Trump will pass a bill obliging everybody to make themselves secure, but with a backdoor for favorite Russian presidents. I have my tongue in my cheek. But do you agree with my number one, Eric? Hacking, hacking, hacking. Yes, I do, Jonathan. I was going to say it's going to be all about paying attention to cybercrime, uh, in terms of, you know, hacking of companies and personal data for people. But cyber warfare is now becoming, uh, you know, a real potential problem. And here we're going to have a real uh, issue possibly between our president and our intelligence communities. Uh, Donald Trump's been inconsistent on many issues, but the one thing he's been consistent on is having a favorable impression of Putin and Russian, Russia uh, seeming to disregard uh, what seems to be uh, interference with our election process by Russia. Um, and right now we're having uh, Senate hearings on this Russia election hacking issue. So big, big, big topic for 2017. We'll see how it unfolds. And we're having problems just, you know, uh, whether the left hand and the right hand are going to be in concert 
uh, in our government. Uh, since you let off with your number one, if you'd allow me to let it lead off with my yeah. number two, um, my number two is the influence of social media and the possible death of real journalism. And this also oh. sort of plays into the election topic. You know, we now have social media so ubiquitous in our lives. You know, we have uh, everyone uh, posting as a commentator or, or, or a, as a faux journalist with their own thoughts and ideas. What is fact? What is fiction? How does that influence people? Uh, can traditional journalism compete economically? And if they can't, what, is, what are the implications for all of us? And the Facebooks of the world have to sort of think through now, uh, you know, what is uh, happening uh, to, you know, consumption of uh, quote-unquote uh, news and, and information, and how are we going to handle that? So that is my number two, Jonathan. Uh, what, is your, what are your thoughts about that, and what is your number two? Yeah, no, I absolutely agreed, uh, agree with you. Um, we have had uh, incidents uh, over the holiday season, for example, of fake news where there was a rumor started that the Queen hadn't appeared at a regular church service that she normally goes to because she was dead. Other people have said that she died some years ago, and an actress has been playing her in the recent past. Um, the BBC didn't cover the story, the BBC said, because there was no truth in it. But these social media conspiracists said the BBC aren't covering the story because they know it's true and there's a news blackout. It seems to have been complicated by the fact that there is a traditional news blackout at the end of the year for what's called the honours list, so who's going to be made a knight, etc., etc. And, um, and, and whether or not the Queen is in good health, she certainly does seem to exist, and her death seems to be only on social media at this time. But I agree with you. I think good call, uh, and I think that we are seeing the almost like the uh, emasculation of the traditional press as, as uh, social media takes over. My number two was big data issues, and I think there are a whole host of strands to that. But I think my prediction will be that we will see regulators get more interested in big data, both in terms of disciplining those who have large data warehouses, so that might be the Ubers of this world, Amazon, uh, Facebook, Google. And I think we're mm. going to see, and we've talked about it before, this coming together of different regulators almost like the sort of superheroes alliance of regulators with antitrust regulators, um, regulators, fair trade regulators like the FTC and data privacy regulators coming together to try and fight uh, big data usage. And then one of the things that's been interesting me as well is the use of big data by regulators. So I uh, asked a couple of questions of the director of the Serious Fraud Office in the UK back uh, before the break in December, and they're acquiring this supercomputer to sweat data and target their investigations more uh, appropriately with their limited resources. So I think big data will continue to be a trend in 2017 and one that will be vexing regulators. I think that's a very good topic, big data. I don't have a lot to add. In choosing my last, because we're Tech Loss 10, you know, I was trying to decide 
whether I might want to say intellectual property disputes because they continue patent, trademark, uh, trade secrets, um, copyright. But no, I was thinking perhaps maybe you know the sharing economy, you know VRBO, uh, Airbnb, uh, Uber, Lyft. Yes, those are big issues too. But I think my number three, and this is just me, Eric Sinrod, is just the fact that we're living our lives now more and more and more online. And so we basically really don't have to leave the comfort of our homes or our home offices, and we just, you know, in a mouse click, we can order whatever we want to show up at our doorstep or conduct financial transactions. And what are the ultimate social implications of that? We're not having as much face-to-face human contact, and so this is a grand social experiment. And, you know, in some ways this this ties into the social media point as well. What, you know, how do we behave as human beings vis-a-vis each other when we're not in actual personal contact? And I do believe that people behave differently when they're actually in contact with another person as opposed to remotely. So that's my number yeah. three. I'd be interested, interested in your thoughts on that and what your number three is. Well, very topical here, uh, Eric, uh, as ever. Um, I've just done a BBC program on that uh, this very morning uh, with a lower league soccer player who uh, watched a, um, a a goal a, a three goal each draw of his favourite club and tweeted something which I won't repeat very uh, um, uh, insensitive about uh, one of the players in the game who had. Uh, him and his wife had regrettably recently had a stillborn daughter. So he thought it was a great idea to tweet comments to try and wind that other soccer player up about the the death of his daughter. Um, That's likely to lead to a football association investigation over here. The player has been suspended from the the club he played for, the, the tweeting player, He's blamed now Asperger's uh, and said that, um, first of all, he said his Twitter account was hacked. Then he said he has Asperger's and he'd been drinking too much on his medication. But I think it just underlines your point, really, that people are braver on on social media than they are in real life and indeed braver than they should be. And these comments were never appropriate to say to somebody either face-to-face or online. And I think it is causing real issues both uh, for corporations uh, and for individuals because, of course, oftentimes, as in this case, the, you know, the employers have had to deal with the flack of their employees' action. Um, my final one uh, is, as you know, a favorite topic of mine, this whole GDPR and privacy shield piece. Mm. Um, uh, regulators are getting more uh, aggressive over here in Europe. They're buoyed by the fact that this general data protection regulation, GDPR, that we've talked about before, comes in in May 2018. Some jurisdictions are introducing bits of it earlier. We've just had some figures from the Dutch regulator, for example, on the number of security breaches reported, which I think has surprised a lot of people. The penalties are getting much more significant. of global annual revenue for serious breaches. We have new rules coming in as well uh, to deal with uh, cookies and direct marketing. 
again the same penalties. And the real target for much of this is going to be U.S. corporations. They have uh, these laws will have extraterritorial effect. They'll have to appoint uh, nominees in Europe to take the can for them if they don't uh, respond to regulators, etc., etc. So GDPR, I think, will be a fundamental issue. Many of the people we're talking to are saying it's their biggest compliance challenge of uh, of 2017. It's uh, it, it's where they're investing their time and energy. And as we sit here today, I can tell you by the helpful clock on the front of the Cordy website that we've just 500 and something days left. So that's not a lot of time for a major corporation to prepare. So 2017 will be the year of GDPR compliance. Well, what a year it's been. What a year we have coming up. Thank you for sharing that. Just so you know, each year does change for us. At the end of last year, the beginning of, uh, toward the beginning of 2016, we were talking about drones, for example. That did not show up on our list right now. Not to say that they've gone away. Early in 2016, in one of our podcasts, Jonathan brought up this topic of Brexit, and most of us are scratching our heads saying, what is he talking about? And then it <laughs> happened. Privately, I said, don't worry. We'll, we'll be stable here in the U.S. And then we had a titanic shift uh, in our unpredicted election results. So who knows what will happen in 2017? We've given you just a few predictions. Uh, undoubtedly, things will come up that we did not anticipate. That's the nature of things. And some of these things probably will come to pass. So let's all pay attention. We hope you'll keep checking in with us weekly uh, as this year uh, uh, unfolds. So I'm Eric Sinrod at Dwayne Morris. You can reach me at ejsinrod at dwaynemorris.com. You can find our podcast on the usual social media outlets, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Jonathan, welcome to 2017. Close it out. Thanks very much. Jonathan.armstrong at it was a pleasure speaking to you all in 2016. It'll be a pleasure speaking to you in 2017. All that remains is to wish you a healthy and happy 2017, and we look forward to catching up with you again next time. Take care. Cheers. 